empezó un lunes probando un jamón en Badajoz en una tienda que siempre estaba vacía. Y le digo al dueño, con este jamón de tapa, bueno... Y justo yo tenía mesas y nos hacemos socios. Y con el jamón y el pan de Juli, que es de masa madre... Bueno, bueno, y vino tanta gente que creamos nuestra feria de la tapa. Tapajoz. Y pensar que todo empezó un lunes por un pelín de suerte y una tapita jamón de Badajoz. La primitiva, por muy poco, puedes lograr mucho. Ahora también sorteo los lunes. Échala por solo un euro. Loterías te recuerda que juegues con responsabilidad y solo si eres mayor de edad. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Bill, thanks so much for coming on the program. Well, Gino, great to be with you. Well, Before we dive in, I want to just remind everybody, I obviously love the American Minute, love theamericanminute.com, love all of the amazing resources that you provided over the years. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Well, I'm humbled and honored to be on with you. Well, it's great to have you on. You know, let's just talk about the most basic and, and fundamental things like why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Um, individual. So if I were to sum up all of America, it's, it <laughs> emphasizes individual, that you get right mm -hmm. as an individual person from the creator. Every other social structure in the world, it's group. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether they call it honor-shame culture in the Far East, that if the group honors you, your worth goes up. If the group shames you and kicks you out, your worth goes down. And Islam, they call it the Ummah, the community. Mm -hmm. And if your daughter embarrasses you in front of your group, they'll even murder their own daughter. Um, in, in tribes, in gangs, you're free to join. If you leave the group, uh, you know, they kill you. Only in the Judeo-Christian belief system, you, you are made in the image of God, whether you can contribute to society or not, whether you're a Muslim male or not, whether you're a Brahmin in the highest caste or an untouchable in the lowest caste. In, in the Judeo-Christian mindset, you are of worth simply because you're made in the image of the Creator. And so the idea of Western civilization in its fullest fulfillment mm -hmm. and expression in America, that you get rights as an individual, and this comes from the Creator, uh, to me, that sums it all up. Right. That, um, yeah, when we were – America – is declaring its independence from Great Britain. It is a colony. And um, clearly, the Declaration of Independence was signed by the then Congress declaring its independence from Great Britain. But we sometimes forget what a gutsy move that was. In other words, this isn't just, quote unquote, a declaration of independence. It, it was actually signed, it's my understanding, on July 2nd, and then it took another month for the signatures to be added. Um, it was first reported in the newspapers of July 4th, 1776. But this is a big deal. It was a big move. And there were going to be consequences, win, lose, or draw, right? Yeah. You know, when you zoom out, it's like if I, if you're zoomed into a digital picture and all you mm -hmm. see is the pixels, mm 
mm-hmm. can you recognize who the picture is of? You know, you can't. You click zoom on enough times, then you're going to begin to recognize. Sometimes we're so zoomed into the day-to-day news, and you say, "What's happening in the world?" You really can't tell until you zoom out, look at a couple of centuries, look at a couple of millennia. <laughs> and so, if you zoom out, the biggest picture you can see is that the most common form of government in mm-hmm. world history is kings. Mm-hmm. They go by different names, Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultans are. And as the centuries go on, the kingdoms get bigger because with military advancements, the king can kill more people. Mm -hmm. So instead of Cain killing Abel with a rock, they can kill with bronze weapons or iron weapons or phalanx, spear, or swords, gunpowder. The weapon improves, but it's that same fallen nature. And with technological advancements, the kings can track more people. Augustus Caesar wanted to have a worldwide tracking system. Mm -hmm. It's called the census. That was modern technology for back then. If he could have had 5G and cell phones and cameras, he would have used that. Mm -hmm. But it's all top down. And your worth fits into this pyramid. If you're at the top and you're friends with the king, you're worth more. If you're not friends with the king, you're worth less. If you're an enemy of the king, uh, you're dead or you're a slave. And uh, so these kingdoms keep getting bigger and bigger until the king of England had the biggest kingdom that planet Earth had ever seen. He was a globalist. He was a one-world government mm-hmm. guy with him at the top, 13 million square miles, a half a billion people. Sun never set on the British Empire. And America's founders decided they didn't like this globalist king telling us what to do. They, they broke away and flipped it and made the people the king. Mm-hmm. So, the word, so kings in Europe have subjects who are subjected to their will. Democracies and republics have citizens. Mm-hmm. The word citizen is Greek. It means co king. Hmm. It means co-ruler, co-sovereign. You're a citizen of America. You're a co-ruler of America. So our founding fathers, for all their faults, they gave you and I a present. And that present is you get to be in charge of your life and all of us together are in charge of the country. So it empowers the individual. And then we're a country of these individuals. There's a great quote from Daniel Webster, Mm -hmm. Secretary of State, He says, miracles do not cluster. What has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution. For if the American Constitution should fail, there'll be anarchy around the world. And you think, why would there be anarchy around the world if our American Constitution fails? Because for 6,000 years, people have been suffering under the thumbs of pharaohs and sultans and kaisers and czars and dictators. And they've said, gee, if only we could rule ourselves without a king. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And in America, we did it. And if we blow it, mm-hmm. there's nothing left for humanity to look forward to this side of heaven. Then what? Communist dictators, Russian dictators, crazy Islamic mm-hmm. Ayatollah, Iranian dictators. It's going to be a mad power grab if America falls and creates this vacuum. And they'll historically, when a republic or a democracy falls, it is never regained within several lifetimes. Yeah, it is remarkable that we were able to become a country. And I know you've written about this uh, extensively at at your website. Um, you've written about Thomas Jefferson, and you've written about Roger Sherman, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Robert Livingston, all of these guys who wound up writing the Declaration of Independence. How is it that that in that sort of perfect providence, these guys were picked, if you will. How did they wind up with the job of writing the Declaration of Independence? 
Well, they were patriots and mm -hmm. they were willing to risk their lives to put their name on a piece of paper. I mean, imagine coming out publicly against the government. Mm -hmm. um, you can expect the FBI to show up, right? I mean, it was, they were risking their lives. When John Hancock signed the declaration, uh, he said that, uh, that he signed it extra large. So now the king mm -hmm. can read my name without using his spectacles, <laughs> his glasses. And then uh, Ben Franklin said, we must hang together or mm -hmm. most assuredly we will hang separately. And, um, but they realized they were taking on the king. We had no army, no Navy. Um, if it wasn't for several things, first being a 3000 mile ocean between mm -hmm. us and the king, Second is that Europe was the chessboard. America was an afterthought, right? For mm -hmm. the first several generations, it was a losing proposition. I mean, it wasn't like the Caribbean where you had Spanish gold. Mm -hmm. uh, the, first, the first boat that uh, Jamestown sent back to England was filled full of iron pyrite, fool's gold. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, was, they finally found tobacco and, and, you know, Massachusetts found beaver skins, but uh, it wasn't a a prosperous place. And so the King of England sent over a Royal crown governor to Virginia and didn't pay him. So you're going to I'm not going to waste any more money on the colonies. You got to tax the people there to come up with your own paycheck. And, um, and, and so we had a century that the King really wasn't focused on us. Yeah. Now, one of the other ingredients was France entering the war. Mm -hmm. France was the second biggest power in the world. And, it had colonies from India and Africa and the Caribbean. And uh, it, it, when France entered the war, it went from Britain putting down a rebellion in its colony to all of a sudden, this is a global thing. Mm -hmm. And then the Dutch jumped on board and Spain jumped on board. People forget when um, uh, the governor of New Spain, mm -hmm. his name was Bernardo de Galvez. Mm -hmm. And you might that might sound familiar because Galveston is named mm -hmm. after him. Galveston, now, Texas. He fought battles and drove the British out of the Caribbean, and he allowed supply ships of the Dutch and French to come up the uh, Mississippi River to the Ohio River and supply Washington from behind. Um, and he, uh, you know, wins the Battle of Natchez and the Battle of Pensacola, and he's fighting all these battles. So much so that there's a statue of Bernardo de Galvez in Washington, D.C., and he was made an honorary American citizen. If people don't realize the Spanish contributions to the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. Another is the Ladies of Havana. So Washington is at um, Yorktown, and he's running out of money, and his army's about to leave right at the point of victory. And the French ship with Rochambeau and, uh, is coming across lands at Haiti, which was a French colony, and there's no money there. And so it decides to go to Havana. Mm -hmm. And when the ladies of Havana hear that the, those French ships are headed to, to help George Washington, they donate all their jewelry and silverware, estimated at $28 million worth wow. of ladies of Havana. And they send a note that says that the American mother's sons won't grow up as slaves. And when uh, Rochambeau delivers his chest full of gold to George Washington at Yorktown, he took off his hat and threw it in the air, which they say that was very uncharacteristic of him because he was always very composed. And, and Rochambeau wrote in his journal, the joy was tremendous when the money was delivered and the American army, which was on the verge of collapse, was now bolstered up. And so here you have 
Spanish ladies in Havana that are helping us win the Revolutionary War against the King of England. And uh, so this was a, uh, we had a Polish uh, general that helped train our cavalry. We had all kinds of people around that realized that this was a chance for the world to break away from kings and empower the citizens. This all to to beg the question, Bill, we're living in a in a culture and a society that thinks that America was founded not on freedom or a great big idea, but that it's corrupt both in its origin and in its destiny. In the few minutes that we have left, what would you say to the person who doubts that there's something really special about this thing called the United States of America? Yeah, they're just subject to a socialist tactic called deconstruction. Mm -hmm. And whenever socialists would take over a country, they would separate their people from the past. They would say things about the founders of a country to get them to emotionally disengage from them. And then they would have them in a neutral where they don't remember where they came from. And then they would brainwash them into a socialist future. Uh, I talked to a guy that had been in Russia and he says, yeah, they went into Estonia, and in the history books, they taught that the Estonians were, were Stone Age Neanderthals until the Russians came in and civilized them, where, where Estonians had a whole civilization mm-hmm. that went on for you know, millennium. And, uh, and so this idea of drive new to reverse, it's a gene replacement therapy for a culture. You take out the old DNA and you put in the new. Um, it, it's been used even China, you know, 5th century BC, there's a warring states period. Uh, 3rd century BC, and these different uh, kingdoms and one wins led by Qin Shi Huangdi. And he was criticized for doing things differently than they had been done before. So he decided to destroy all records of how things were done before. And um, that's what Mao Zedong copied. He destroyed in the 1960s, thousands of years of Chinese records and the great gates of Beijing. Why? Because you want to cut the ties with the past so that you can do something new. And so they want to cut ties with the American founders. Why? Uh, because they want to brainwash the, the next generation into a socialist. And socialism is basically a sales job for dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And they can't just come in and say, we want to be dictators. So they, they try to tell you, um, it's, it's like if older fish could tell younger fish to stay away from shiny things dangling in the water, <laughs> but they can't. So every new younger fish sees the shiny thing and they're caught. Socialism is a shiny thing dangling in the water. Free food, free clothes, free education, free free free. Free is attractive, but there's a hook. You give up control of your life. You give up your independence. You end up becoming a, a slave. Um, you know, I, I love the quote from Gerald Ford. He mm-hmm. says, the government that's big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away take everything away. you have. Yeah, one of my favorite resources that you have is America's Providential History. And um, in that, you talk about so many of these things, socialism, the real history from Plato to the present, you know, just all of the incredible uh, resources that you've given to us over the years. I'm so grateful for each and every one of them. Well, the uh, the American Providential History is actually Stephen McDowell's book that we like so much we carried on our website. But we did a couple books called Miracles in America. Yes, history. Miracles. And they're and they're from the Revolution, War of 1812, Civil War, where there's a crisis. They pray and have courage and things turn, turn around. So Washington is trapped at Brooklyn Heights, and a fog comes in and allows him to take his entire army across the East River to Manhattan Island. It's the last chance the British had to capture the entire American army all at once. Another's the Benedict Arnold was mm-hmm. about to betray West Point to the British. 
And at the last minute, uh, the spy was caught and they made him take off his boot and they saw the map of West Point hanging in his stocking and the whole thing wow. fell apart. And, um, you know, another is um, the Battle of Cowpens and Cornwalls is chasing the American general Daniel Morgan and Nathaniel Green and, and uh, the Americans cross the uh, Catawba River before the British can cross flash flood. They have to put wait. Then the Americans cross the Yadkin River. The British come up, another flash flood. They have to wait. Then the Americans cross the Dan River before the British can cross another flash flood. Three flash floods in, in 10 days. And the British commander, Henry Clinton, said, here the Royal Army was again stopped by a sudden rise of the waters, which had only just fallen almost miraculously to let the enemy across. Uh, so close was Cornwallis upon their rear. So here, even the, the British were acknowledging it was a miracle that America was able to <laughs> to get a, this victory. Well, I think it was miraculous in its inception, and I'm hoping and praying that it will continue, continue to continue to be a light on a shining hill. Thanks, Bill Federer. Go to theamericanminute.com. Thanks so much, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today. Empezó un lunes probando un jamón en Badajoz en una tienda que siempre estaba vacía. Y le digo al dueño, con este jamón de tapa, bueno. Y justo yo tenía mesas y nos hacemos socios. Y con el jamón y el pan de Juli, que es de masa madre, bueno, bueno, y vino tanta gente que creamos nuestra feria de la tapa. Tapajoz. Y pensar que todo empezó un lunes por un pelín de suerte y una tapita jamón de Badajoz. La primitiva, por muy poco puedes lograr mucho. Ahora también sorteo los lunes. Échala por solo un euro. Loterías te recuerda que juegues con responsabilidad y solo si eres mayor de edad.